This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Welcome back to the call up. We have our rule five draft recap on this Monday, December 12th. I'm Arm Layton. He's Jack McMullen. And uh, it was fun. I I think the rule five was fun, right? I mean, we were excited for it. It, it went quicker than I thought. Uh, the picks kind of just were like rapid fire. It was like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. And Thad Ward came in before we even started the draft. So not much suspense, but it was fun. Yeah, I, it's hard to imagine a more riveting thing at the MLB offseason than the Rule 5 draft. So I'm really glad that that we had that moment on a Wednesday night at 6-5.52 when we learned that Thad Ward was the number one overall pick. And that's yeah. something it's that you will scoop. never take away. You will never take that away from Thad Ward. He was the number one overall pick in something related to professional baseball. Now, was it the best of the guys that didn't make the 40 man? Yes, it was, but that's okay. Thad Ward was the number one overall pick and all jokes aside, there is a lot of talent here. Um, Yeah. I was waiting for the classic draft thing, right? Where it it takes 10 minutes between picks. And in those 10 minutes, you learn about any family tragedy a guy has ever gone through in their entire life. I was waiting for that. I was waiting for, for the tough stories, the worst things that have happened to these guys. And, um, no, it, it's, it was one of those things that I, I just forgot how quick it was. So it was, it was cool though, because you kind of just saw them fly off the board on Twitter one after another, after another, yeah. I don't know if I can remember the last time where we've had the first pick of the rule five draft leaked. Like it's, you know, Trevor Lawrence getting selected here, uh, where it's like, Oh, yep. All signs point towards Thad Ward being selected by the nationals, but Honestly, you know, we thought Victor Vodnik would go one one. He doesn't get selected. And and that's something yeah. I want to talk about because we highlighted so many guys. Baseball America highlighted 10x whatever we highlighted in our article because their grinders over there. Jeff Potts killed that. Um, and, and at the same time, though, like it shows you how big the pool is. So just because a player didn't get picked, period, doesn't mean that he wasn't considered by eight or nine teams. The challenge is, is it worth the roster spot? Because there was a lot of teams that punted, right? They didn't even pick because their roster was full. You can't pick in the Rule 5 draft if your 40-man is full, obviously, because that guy has to go straight to your active roster. So, you know, there each of these teams, I don't know, we'd have to talk to a GM, but I'd say each of these teams had dozens of players that they seriously considered drafting. And there could have been one player that was considered by every single team, but still wound up not getting drafted. And that's the wild thing about the Rule 5 is that'll never happen in any other draft context because... If you're considering a player in the top 10, if somebody is, he's going to get picked at some point. But there is a cost yeah. and, and you know, 
a, a balance here for these teams because it's you're really weighing whether the pick is worth it, period, which doesn't happen in any other type of draft. Yeah, and that's why you saw a lot of these contending teams that feel like they're not done adding pass in the Rule 5 because that just takes up a roster spot. So you look at what happened, and of the first nine picks, seven of the nine worst teams in baseball made a selection this year. So that tells you that, yeah, it's not a coincidence. Like, they all plan on needing that. And the two teams that didn't make a selection, important to note here, the Kansas City Royals, who have so much young talent, right? They, they don't need to make a selection here because they have enough coming through the minor league ranks in their own right. And then how about the Texas Rangers, who had the seventh worst record in baseball? They were slated for seventh, and they did not pick because they have been active on the free agent market, and they will likely continue to be active on the minor free agent market and on the trade market, too. So you've got two teams that have an identity of wanting to go for it. Um, but the Nats, the A's, the Pirates, the Reds, the Tigers, the Rockies, the Marlins, they all took somebody because I did not name a team that really has legitimate postseason aspirations in that breath. Well, I mean, you look at the and the Nationals were a team I kept highlighting <laughs> when we did our, our preview, which was funny because we were like, I would take this guy and throw him in the rotation instead of the martyr that was Joanna Doan last year, right? Yeah. Uh, That was the case with so many different arms. And ultimately they go Thad Ward. And the more I look at Thad Ward and the more that I've kind of dove into the situation, I'm pretty floored that he wasn't protected by the Red Sox. We talked about that though. And Heim Bloom had a funny quote where he said, I think they asked him, you know, how he felt that he was the number one pick without hesitation. You know, did that make you, you know, think a little bit uh, overthink maybe, opting to use the the 40 man spot for David Hamilton, the speedy outfielder who will never OPS above, you know, 700 probably, but is a great athlete instead of, you know, a, a really interesting arm. He said, ah, it doesn't matter to me whether he's picked one or, you know, picked last in the rule five. It, it matters to me that he's not on our roster anymore. And I think he already knew that was going to happen, right? Because Thad Ward instantly plugs in. If you go by pipelines rankings is the nationals 13th best prospect. And I said it before, you know, we did this. I said, if the nationals took him, he'd probably be in their top 10 uh, before the, the Soto trade, right? If that Soto trade never went down, Thad Ward's a top 10 prospect in that system. Uh, So, you know, when you look at what, what they're getting here, it's a, it's a spot that he can pretty much plug into their rotation or their bullpen right away and be one of their better arms, right? Like their, their rotation is supposed to be Josiah Gray, Patrick Corbin, Trevor Williams, Cade Cavalli, McKenzie Gore. The latter two, Cade Cavalli, McKenzie Gore have been hurt a lot, right? So let's say those two guys are not available for whatever reason. Who's four and five in that rotation? Like Thad Ward could realistically slot right in from like day one. Um, And I think he's going to have a pretty good role with that team right away. When you look at the bullpen, he's probably one of the more intriguing arms in that bullpen, period. Uh, So they're definitely, they got to be excited about what they added to a very uninspiring roster. All right. Over under a hundred and a half innings thrown for Thad Ward. What are you taking? Ninety nine and a half. Man, for a rule five, that's typically so many. Um, I'm gonna say, ooh, that's a really good number. I'm gonna say under because I'm gonna hope that Cavalli and Gore are healthy, but I do think he makes spot starts, and I think yeah. he easily eclipses 60 to 70 innings this year. Uh, I think he's gonna make some starts, I think he's yeah. gonna stretch him and, and multi-inning relief. I think he's gonna do a few different things. But um, <laughs> real quick on Ward, I know we talked about him a lot, but something that was interesting to me is that you know, coming back from Tommy John surgery. He wasn't really built up that much until the end of the year. And then when he was built up at the end of the year, he had three consecutive starts of 90 pitches, 89 pitches, and 90 pitches. And two of those outings, he had 10 plus Ks or 10 Ks. Um, So we really saw him finally stretched out at the end of the year. So we might have been just getting the appetizer to what is a really solid pitcher here. So uh, surprising considering that as well, that he was you know on the return from Tommy John, working back up again, looked good in the AFL. I think it has a lot of momentum that this is a guy that was available in the rule five. I know the nationals have to be very excited to be picking him up. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, you look at what he did this season, like very sparse sample size, you know, he had seven starts in double a at Portland and he was good. He had a two, four, three ERA in 33 and a third inning struck out 41. Uh, he did walk 14, which is just under four walks per nine, but you, you can't be that worried about it, especially when you know that this guy can be a reliever. Yeah. With that self wise, it feels like everything cuts 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it feels like everything cuts and slides away from righty bats. So he's going to create a lot of fits with right-handed hitters. You know, lefties, I have no idea if something's going to leak over the plate or not. I'm sure you can speak to, you know, the handedness splits a little bit more um, than I can for him. But what I watched with Thad Ward in AA this year and, and what I could find video-wise is this guy can absolutely be a righty-righty reliever. Oh, and yeah. he can be a multi-inning reliever. And he can be a back-end starter. And that is a no-doubt grab-him-first-overall-in-the-rule-five-draft type of guy. 100%. And that's that's the floor. He manipulates that slider into a cutter, which bores in on lefties well, which I think helps a lot too. And then he's got that sinker that is a ground ball machine to lefties and righties, which I think is holding out some hope that he can be a starter there as well. Um, number two pick is a guy that we were all over as well. And, and you know, we were, we were hoping he would get taken. Ryan Noda goes to the Oakland A's and uh, the Dodgers lose Noda. I think they were, you know, kind of prepared for that. It just kind of was what it was. I'm sure they would have liked to have keep it like to have kept him, but the Dodgers are loaded in that 40 man roster. And uh, you know, A's general manager, David Frost actually mentioned Noda as, as a target for them for a long time. And when, when the Dodgers and A's would, would make trades, that was a name that, you know, the A's were kind of trying to pry away in some of those lower profile swaps. Couldn't get Noda. Now they do. Um, He's going to plug in right away too, right? This is another bad team that is only going to get worse, right? They're going to trade Sean Murphy. They're probably going to trade other pieces. And Noda helps, you know, helps him immediately, right? Because he's a guy that you can at least roll out there and see how he does. Uh, we know what he's done at each level. We talked about it. I mean, you can rehash the 259, 396, 474 slash line in AAA with 25 pumps last year, even mixed in 20 bags. So maybe an opportunistic base dealer. He's a good defender at first. You can hide him in a corner if he's hitting enough. My only concern, and I think this is why the Dodgers left him off the 40 man, is that against pitches 94 miles per hour and above, and remember, Noda's a big guy, 641 OPS. So 641 OPS mm. against against Velo, essentially. Um, the flip side, great approach, a 105.8 mile per hour, 90th percentile exit Velo, well above average, um, and good left on left yeah. splits. So there's a lot to like here. And I think a no doubt shot worth taking for the Oakland A's. Yes. Um, looking at their roster resource, right? Their projected depth chart on fan graphs, your eyes will gravitate towards first base DH and the corner outfield spots for Noda. Cause that's where he can play. Um, I feel a lot better about him at first or DHing than in the corner outfield, but in a pinch, he can be a left fielder or a right fielder. And right now, First is commandeered by Seth Brown. The DH at the moment is Shea Langoliers, but that'll change once Sean Murphy is yep. traded. Langoliers is going to be the catcher. And then the corner outfielders, right now, they've got Tony Kemp in left and Connor Capel in right. I promise you, he is a better and more impactful bat than both of those guys. So Noda is going to get close to everyday reps for the yeah. Oakland A's. And, and I'm not sure... Uh, if that tells you that we're really high on Noda and the A's are really high on Noda, the A's are really bad or a combination of both. And I think it is a combination of both. Yeah, it's a combination of both. Um, I'm nervous that Noda gets blown up by fastballs a little bit. But again, I think with the right approach, which he's shown that he has and the ability to walk and pound mistakes, which you can be a mistake hitter and walk and, and be effective. Noda's going to you're going to be one of their better bats next year. I really do think that's the case. So uh, a good addition for a rebuilding team there with Ryan Noda. I would say this was the the first surprise pick for me at number three, uh, a guy that we didn't even really highlight. And we said we were going to miss guys. So um, Jose Hernandez. Hold on. Yes. Hold on. Sean Murphy is officially off the roster. Oh, he is. He just got traded. Sean Murphy is an Atlanta Brave. Oh my gosh! Didn't didn't AA literally say? Didn't Anthopolis literally say we're not going to trade for him? Like stop it! Yeah, but Sean Murphy is an Atlanta Brave. <laughs> so Ryan Noda is the DH, and Shea Langoliers is the starting catcher on opening day for the Oakland Athletics. And and you can bet your ass we're going to be breaking down that trade package tomorrow. Um, we might even have a minute to to highlight it in this episode as it comes out. But the show must go on. Um. Holy crap, that's big time. So Jose Hernandez was a surprise pick for me. He really was, man. Um, because the Pirates take him at three. 
I can see why. And, and you know, when you see these picks, obviously they, they come from a place of, of, of education, right? Like they know what they're doing here. These are major league teams that had to dig deep to find who they like here. And, and Hernandez from the Dodgers. So it always helps when it's from an organization like the Dodgers, of course, but a lefty with a 96 mile an hour fastball, who, you know, is a pretty, pretty big guy at six, three, 205 pounds. Easy to see what there is to like here. I, I just was surprised because I thought there were some more arms that had proven things in the upper levels a bit more. But I think for the Pirates, where they're at right now, they didn't really want that. I think what they wanted, and, and you can speak to this, like they've got some arms in the upper minors that I think can plug into the bullpen and be fine. I think they really wanted to roll the dice on upside here, and they go for a 6-3 lefty with a 96-mile-an-hour fastball and a pair of breaking balls that I think could be above average. If that he has that three-pitch mix, you might have a starter down the line. At the very least, you've got a 96-mile-per-hour fastball from the left side and a good breaking ball, a slider that I think flashes plus. I think the Pirates just kind of said it's the rule five. Like, let's just fully roll the dice here. Yeah, I, I think they went and got a lefty to slot into their bullpen. I think they are very confident with what they have at the back of the bullpen. David Bednar is a Pittsburgh guy. He is the closer for the foreseeable future for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Yeri De Los Santos is disgusting. He yeah. is awesome. If there's somebody that I'm pushing my chips in on, it's Yeri De Los Santos in that Pirates bullpen. He is electric and as electric as they come. And, and you're right. Like they've got guys. 40 man protection. We talked about Colin Selby. The Pirates protected Selby. Selby is a guy that's 97 to 99 with a great breaking ball. So I think they just want to keep adding guys like that. And I, I look to a division rival in St. Louis. What do they have at the back end, right? We talked about Alex Reyes and Jordan Hicks when those guys both couldn't stay on the field. Then it was Ryan Housley. Guess what? Henesis Cabrera was great for them. And I haven't even mentioned Gallegos. So there is never enough gross stuff. And Gallegos is closer to the closer role than Henesis Cabrera is. But Cabrera is disgusting stuff from the left side. I think the Pirates are hoping that Jose Hernandez turns into Henesis Cabrera light here. Which is interesting, too, because, again, you have guys that had big time success in double and triple A. And I think, you know, a guy we'll talk about is Nick Enright. Right. So Nick Enright is an example of a guy that's super safe. He gets picked a little later by the Marlins. You could plug him straight in the bullpen. And I don't think the Pirates, like you said, for that reason, were, were really that interested in that. I think they want a major impact arm and they're going to take a chance on a guy that you know had limited innings above high A. Uh, which I think is intriguing, uh, you know, makes the decision a little bit, you know, made me want to peel the curtain back a little bit further. And when you look at the data, it's easy to understand. I mean, there's this is arguably one of the highest upside arms selected here as a big lefty with a power fastball and two breaking balls, a slider that flashes plus. So I like that pick there. A pick that I know you love at number four uh, was the Cincinnati Reds, who ultimately traded Blake Sable, who was selected from Pittsburgh. He was traded for a player to be named later to the Giants. So that was kind of a fun wrinkle in all of this. But Sable taken by the Reds at four from Pittsburgh. Sable, we talked about him, outfielder, catcher, uh, probably going to do a little bit of both for the Giants, especially with the uncertainty they have at the catching position right now, but also gives them a left-handed bat with some thump. We've talked about him a bunch. I, I love this pickup by the Giants. I, I like the pick by the Reds because, you know, they might not need Sable, but they identified that there's going to be teams that want this guy. Use that pick and we'll see who the player to be named later is or, or if it's cash considerations, whatever it is. But the Reds flip Sable, identifying that there's a lot of teams that want this guy. Yeah. And they found a team that can really use him in 2023. And, you know, Sable, especially now that they're out of the Aaron Judge sweepstakes, um, <laughs> they grabbed a bigger guy that can play in the outfield, can play. He's not going to be a center fielder, but he can play each of the corner outfield spots. Probably don't need it because you've got Hanniger uh, and you've got Jack Peterson coming back, but he's got defensive versatility and we know how shitty the catching situation is in San Fran. Like yeah. he's going to get a lot of reps behind the plate for San Francisco because they needed a contingency plan. They needed a really high floor contingency plan because Joey Bart and his 50% K rate are not covering it. And Pat Bailey had a very underwhelming 2022. And who are you going to rely on? Right? Like I, I think they went and got their fail safe behind the plate. And I think you could have you could have said, okay, well then if, if this guy was so good, like to get traded immediately and have another team interested and whatever it is, why didn't he go sooner? Well, Thad Ward was going to the Nationals, no brainer. And we we kind of, you know, highlighted that. He's 
incredibly valuable to them, I think, and will will have a big part of what they're doing and will be probably one of their better arms. And then you look at picks two and three. The A's aren't taking a catcher. You know, they're they're trying to move one. So they're not going to add a guy there. Um, yes, he could have been an outfielder for them, but you know, they're not doing that. And then the Pirates, the last thing they need is another catching prospect or, or you know, and they lost him. They didn't well, they also couldn't him. take him. Yeah. yeah, that's what I'm saying. So it's like they literally couldn't even put him on their own roster. So this was a guy that, you know, I think easily in a different circumstance could have went one one and is extremely talented. So uh, at number five, Royals, they don't pick um, then at six. This was one that has grown on me the more I've dug into it. Tigers take Mason Angler, right-handed pitcher, starting pitcher, who comes from the Texas yeah. Rangers here. 118 and two-thirds innings, a 3.64 ERA, a sub-one whip, struck out more than 10 per nine, walked just 2.3 per nine. He didn't pitch much above high A, which is the interesting part of this, right? But what I love is that this guy has great command, a plus changeup already, and at least four average pitches. Uh, I'm like fascinated by this pick because why not roll the dice? He just turned 23 years old. He's 6'4", 220. Fastball sits more in the low 90s, probably hoping for a slight tick up, but the changeup is plus. That helps the fastball. The curveball has a chance to give him a second, at least above average pitch, and then he mixes in that slider. With plus command, four pitches, he hasn't pitched much in the upper levels or really at all in the upper levels, but he, I think it's interesting enough. If you can stash him, uh, use him in certain spots and mop up duty and continue to develop him, this guy could turn into a back end of the rotation starter. And, and I don't think that would be far-fetched at all. Dude, he might be a back of the rotation starter on opening day. Th- think about the Tigers starting pitching dilemma right now. Casey Mize is sidelined for the entirety of this year with Tommy John surgery. Tarek Skubal, we have no idea what the timetable is for him, but he had flexor tendon surgery. I mean, this guy was shut down in August, and here we go. He might miss the overwhelming majority, if not the entirety, of the 2023 season. So as it stands right now, the five that Detroit is running out on opening day, Eduardo Rodriguez, Matt Boyd, Matt Manning, Joey Wentz, Spencer Turnbull. Yeah, they might they, they might just have to see how this guy does, right? And Angler like, might just be a starter. Yeah. And if he can't make the jump, then okay. You know, you can put him in middle relief and he'll be just fine. That changeup is really good. Opponents hit 158 against it last year. But I think the command in the ballpark, I think he can be a fine back end of the rotation starter and make that leap. He looked good in, in limited action in double A. And I think, you know, with what we have seen from guys being able to kind of make that jump, with the Tigers a little bit and pitching that bigger ballpark. And you know, I think kind of having the right hands on them and, and being able to develop them the right way. It's, it's definitely ambitious, but for a team that really needed starting pitching help, Angor could be a nice little steal here. I think so. And, and I like what you mentioned, right? He could be a, a middle innings guy if he doesn't work in the rotation and the Tigers so badly need that. They've got Gregory Soto as their closer right now, but who else is there? Like Alex Lang, Will Vest, Tyler Alexander. They, they need I, warm good. bodies. Like, I will absolutely slap. Yeah. And it, by all accounts, it seems like Mason Englert has a warm body and a and, right arm. And, and, a, and a pretty good one that really commands the thing well. So I, I'm I'm excited to see what he does. And that'll be one of the more fun rolls of the dice. And I know we saw the different different front office now, but we saw the Tigers go super aggressive with Akil Badu in the past. And um, this is going to be a very aggressive push here with Englert. We get the Rockies who took Kevin Kelly from Cleveland, but then flipped him later to the Rays for cash considerations. That didn't surprise me when, especially when you look at what Kevin Kelly did as a reliever with Cleveland this year and Cleveland just lost relievers left and right because uh, you know how good their arms are throughout their system. But man, Kelly was great in double and triple a this year, 77 and a third innings, a 204 ERA 1.12 whip nearly 12 strikeouts per nine walked about three and a half. Uh, he goes to the Rays. I'm sure the Rays are going to develop this guy nicely. Uh, and, and he's going to, at just 25 years old, be able to, to be a part of this bullpen. And guess what? His best pitch is, right? Guess what? He has a nasty offering of a slider. And the Rays identified a guy with a really good slider, a good sinker that works off of that. And he's going to be a problem, I'm sure. Uh, but I thought it was funny, of course, another slider guy gets out of the equation here. And, and it's a good one. And I think he's going to be a pretty solid reliever for them. 
favorite part about how Tampa does this and how Tampa identifies guys. And Kevin Kelly going from Cleveland to Tampa, I should tell you all you got to know. Like this guy has come up with the two best pitching braiding grounds you could possibly find. But mm-hmm. um, Kelly, I've loved watching him for a while. He was out on the Cape uh, in 2018 when I was there and I saw him in high A in 2021. Uh, and I saw him in, I think I saw him in short season ball in 2019 too. Uh, 2019, I not see him in short season ball. Saw him in high A in 21. Saw him in triple A in 22. And Kevin Kelly and the Rays. Um, the Rays have a bunch of slider guys, but all these sliders come from different arm slots. Yeah. Like Oliver Drake looks different than Pete Fairbanks, who looks different than Nick Anderson, who looks different than Chaz Rowe, who looked different than Colin Poche. And Kevin Kelly has a unique delivery. It's almost like he's frisbeeing and he's he's coming from right back here. If you're watching on YouTube, he's almost like coiled and he's just whipping that thing across his body. It's a very unorthodox delivery. And I think the data that stems from that slider, that type of spin, those type of results from that type of arm slot is something that a big league bullpen can always use. And, and I mean, you're, you're seeing the race specifically target this guy by trading for him from the Rockies. So they obviously like something there from that arm slot and that and that release point. And I mean, the numbers speak for themselves. Kelly, a nice pickup by the Rockies to, to cash into the Rays. I, nine, I thought, oh, sorry, go real ahead. quick, Arm. Yeah, no, I thought that he could have been a solid fit with the Rockies because we know those are the type yeah. of guys that can survive in Colorado. So when I saw he was initially taken by Colorado, I was like, oh, Great. You know, Colorado has ID'd the type of arm that works and then Tampa traded for him. I was like, oh, great for great. Kevin Kelly. Yeah. You know, I wonder if the Rockies really maybe drafted him at first with the intention of keeping him. And then they get a call from the Rays and, you know, are offered a good deal of cash and they couldn't refuse it. I, I'm not sure how that went down, but uh, yeah, I think he would have been a great fit either way. What I'm excited about is we're going to get to see him in a big league bullpen right away. So that should be pretty fun. A guy that we will definitely see get a lot of run in a big league bullpen is Nick Enright, who goes number nine to the Marlins. And the Marlins need bullpen help, man. They need all the bullpen help they can get. And Enright's got one heck of a fastball. Maybe not in the velo department, low 90s. We've talked about it. But 22 inches of induced vertical break is, is one of the best I've seen in the minor leagues. Held opponents to a 154, 201, 289 slash on against that pitch with a 36% K rate. Marlins are desperate for relievers. He's going to slot right in and Look, if he's good off the bat, he, he might end up being their seventh inning guy before long. Like this guy could earn a pretty prominent role pretty quickly. He was with Cleveland and put up just phenomenal numbers in double and triple A last year. Elite command as well. Less than two walks per nine. Yeah, I'm really excited for him. I know that you're really excited for him. Real quick tidbit um, on baseball reference. It says that Cleveland took him in the 20th round in 19 from Virginia Polytechnic Institute and State University. Uh, that is fancy language for Virginia Tech. So yeah. if anybody didn't know that Virginia Tech was short for Virginia Polytechnic Institute and State University, now you know it's in Blacksburg, Virginia. But yeah, I, I like Enright, man. And a guy that we talked about on the Rule 5 preview, Andrew Miziazic, for a little bit at the tail end. Um, that's a guy that I, w- I was shocked didn't go, but... I was watching Columbus run out whoever the hell they wanted starting games. I mean, shit, Xavier Curry, like I anybody, anybody. Uh, it was so much fun to, to watch that, like a, like a Curry or a Gaddis. And then you go to seven, eight, nine. It was Kelly and right Miziazic, and it was game over. So uh, Cleveland got you plucked big time in the reliever department uh, on back to back picks, but. Uh, Kelly is a great pick, and I think Enright is a great pick, and and they're very unique from each other. You mentioned Enright is an exceptional command guy. What, 14 walks and 65 and two-thirds this year? Yeah, it's insane. It's insane. So something that, that the Marlins definitely needed, and, and he will be probably one of the most used Rule 5 draft picks, I think, aside from Thad Ward uh, in a lot of ways, yeah. and maybe besides Angler. Angels don't pick at 10. Diamondbacks don't pick at 11. Cubs don't pick at 12. No pick from the Twins at 13. Red Sox, 14. White Sox at 15 now. Nick Avila. This guy's data is insane, and the numbers are pretty darn good, too. Between high A and double A, so another guy that, you know, upside plucked from, you know, maybe not as much proximity in terms of of success in the upper levels, but when you pitch to a 1-1-4 ERA in 47 games, 16 saves, and 55 and a third innings, a sub one whip, nine and a half strikeouts per nine, and just 2.3 walks per nine, 
Uh, that sounds pretty good. A mid nineties fastball, uh, a low nineties, 89 to 91 mile an hour cutter, which gave hitters fits. He'll mix in a curveball, also has a slider as well. This guy's got a pretty crazy arsenal, man, and, and a good pickup by your White Sox. Yeah, I really like it, and I needed to, to do a dive. Um, but I'm a big fan of this, man, and, and they needed more cheap, controllable, back-of-the-bullpen type of guys because, uh, shit, as it stands right now, apparently they're shopping Liam Hendricks, but you've got Kendall Graveman on a really high, you know, uh, AAV. You've got Joe Kelly on a really high AAV. Aaron Bummer, he's had a Jekyll and Hyde last couple of years. I mean, sometimes he looks like the best ground ball reliever in baseball, and sometimes he looks brutal. Reynaldo Lopez, I really like. Jake Diekman is still here. Jose Ruiz uh, is is a high-velocity guy. But here you go again with a minor league closer. And minor league closers, if you're good enough to close in minor league baseball, you can be a big league reliever if the data is good enough, and the data is good enough, and the production was obviously there. What I like about him too, Jack, all the things you said, but also multi-inning ability. He he went two innings several times, three innings a couple times as well. And his final outing of the year against a good Richmond lineup in double A, three, he goes, or sorry, against a, a good Erie lineup at the time, three innings, he punches out six, gives up just two hits, no walks. This guy can be stretched out 40, 50 pitches. Um, the stuff is good. And I think it's only going to get better. He throws strikes. I, I, I'm really interested by this guy. And I think this was a aggressive pick compared to some of the other ones like we saw. But I think the trend here has been is for the most part, those guys with a lot of double A, triple A success, they weren't as favorable as we thought. A lot of teams willing to take a chance on the guys with high A, maybe marginal double A success and see how they develop and, and see how they make the jump to the big leagues. This guy's a big dude, too, at 6'4", 200 pounds. Just turned 25 years old at the end of last season. So nice pick up there by the White Sox from San Francisco. San Francisco didn't pick at 16. Then at 17, the Orioles took Andrew Politi, right-handed pitcher from Boston. Made 50 appearances last year, had eight saves, 79 and thirds innings, a 2-3-4 ERA, .97 whip, nearly 11 strikeouts per nine, and just under three walks per nine. He made 38 of his 50 appearances in AAA. Uh, so this guy, most of his... The bulk of his duty was in triple. So those numbers are really impressive. Mid nineties fastball and a plus slider. He just seems like your classic rule five guy, to be honest, nothing, nothing crazy. Like this is more the type of guys I thought would be selected. Um, Orioles obviously trying to fortify for next year. They do a really good job though of replenishing the bullpen and they've traded some arms here and there. So they, they add one back here with Andrew Politi. Yeah, I, I he just seems like, you know, generic right-handed yep. reliever that that's yep. going in the Rule 5 draft and we're so used to generic right-handed relievers. And Correct. he was good enough in AAA to earn a big league audition. He did not earn a big league audition with the Red Sox, so now he gets his big league audition elsewhere. 18. Brewers take Gus Varland from the Dodgers. And uh this was probably the biggest surprise pick to me. Um, I, I kind of I had to dive deeper to try to make sense of this one because Varland, he had a six eleven ERA last year, forty one games, seven starts, seventy and two thirds innings, a one six four WHIP. He struck out just under eleven per nine, walked just about four point seven per nine. Uh, where it gets interesting, where I was able to kind of find something was in those seven starts, he was atrocious. He had an eight five four ERA, but in his Subsequent 34 other appearances, a 467 ERA, uh, but the, the strikeout numbers nearly doubled. They get way better at 31% as a reliever, 18% as a starter, walk rate halved as a reliever. So clearly the Brewers liked what they saw from Varlin, the reliever. He's got a mid-90s heater that in his short spurts was closer to upper 90s and a sharp slider. So I think they were just hoping to buy low on a Dodgers guy that, you know, you look at the bulk numbers, they're not, they're not good but they were really kind of inflated by his time as a starter. There we go. Okay. So shit, man. I mean, if you like that trend, then go for it. So yeah, yeah I like that pick. My only concern is no triple A experience, but he's obviously repeated double A. So I, you know, we know that double A is like almost the highest level of the minors, right? Like that's where the most talent is, but I, I do kind of like the idea of seeing guys that have been around the block and know how to maneuver a professional at bat before you get that taste. And he's yeah. not going to be afforded this opportunity now. No, I'm that's one that 
this is one of those that I'm I'm very fascinated by. We'll see how it goes. I wouldn't be shocked if uh, Varlin's one of those guys that ends up potentially getting returned. Um, so I hope I'm wrong, you know, a root for Varlin, but that was definitely one of the bigger rolls of the dice, I think, that we saw from, from this roll five. Uh, 19 Rays don't make a pick, obviously. They have no room on that roster. Right. 20, the Phillies right. take Noah Song, who, you know, you might yeah. know as a guy that could have been a he'd be in the bigs by now no doubt about that and he'd probably be a very good starter in the bigs but uh jack this story was just so fascinating I, we, we didn't even think there was a chance that song would be taken you know went to navy second round pick uh or fell to the fourth would have been a second round pick is that correct uh yeah he hell man he could have been one of the first pitchers off the board he would have been a first round pick i think dominated a team usa has shown so many amazing things but was not able to get exempt from his service right and and so he's been serving our country which is incredible uh kind of just waiting right waiting for a waiver wait and and that's the thing is you know, you have the Phillies here with Dave Dombrowski who drafted Sung I believe right and um I think just knows yeah. how talented he is and is willing to take a shot here as Sung's second chance at a waiver to, to be able to you know be exempt from his service and come pitch is still up in the air I don't know what that process is like but man if this guy is able to come back and pitch Assuming that he's anything close to what he was, this would be one of the best rule five picks ever um, if, if he's able to come back and do what he's capable of. Rumors flying around that Dave Dombrowski's all about the troops. He loves the troops. Yeah. So yeah. shout out Dave Dombrowski, man. No, I this has the makings of like that pick, right? Where we're getting the documentary made about Noah's song after a 15 year major league career. I've got no idea if it's going to happen or not, but it's already an excellent story. And the dude was absolutely disgusting. His last pitches thrown in a professional environment were in the New York Penn League, short season ball in 2019, pre-COVID, seven starts, 17 innings, two earned runs, 19 punch outs, five walks. Yeah. And this is off of a year at the Naval Academy where he struck out 161 guys in 94 innings. So he was 15 and a half Ks per nine. And here he goes jumping from the Patriot League into professional baseball. And he still stays over 10 in the Ks per nine department. I saw him. I saw him throw. I saw him make his only start on the Cape in 2018 before going to Team USA. And I was floored by how good he was. He truly believe and i saw a lot of good arms out there i saw manoa out there i saw detmers out there um i saw bobby miller out there i promise you noah's song was the most advanced at that time more advanced than alec manoa and we know one thing his arm is well rested <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Just see if sure. he's got to shake the rust off and he's in good shape <laughs> you know that yeah, too he's in great shape yeah, so worth a shot, but man, if the, if something happens there with with him being able to come back and pitch, holy crap, that would be some kind of pickup because everything you said has been corroborated and backed up by all the scouts that were there who say the same exact thing about what they saw from Noah Song on the Cape, Team USA, wherever it may have been, and of course at the Naval Academy as well. Twenty one, the Padres take our guy Jose Lopez, my one of my favorite guys in baseball. Right, six foot, two hundred and seventy five pounds. Uh, absolute fuel from the left side, a nasty slider. He's going to plug in and be that lefty out of the bullpen. We highlighted him in the rule five preview two, four, three ERA last year across three levels. Uh, this dude's nasty. It's really about the command. He walked nearly six per nine. He also struck out more than 14 per nine. Uh, so it's just whether he can stay remotely around the strike zone, but man, this guy could be a devastating lefty reliever. Yeah, I dude, mid nineties fastball to high nineties fastball, crazy slider. Like he's just another guy that you can plug in. So I, I'm all about it. Also, I, I just got a couple of updates on the Murphy trade. Murphy to Atlanta, William Contreras to Milwaukee. It's a three team deal with Milwaukee. William Contreras to Milwaukee. Wow. Manny Pena to Oakland. Um. Esteri Ruiz is going to Oakland. Kyle Muller is going to Oakland. And Freddie Tarnick is going to Oakland as well. Kyle Muller may be the one for the Oakland A's. He he, he might be the opening day starter for Oakland. <laughs> Dude, and I was wondering what they were going to do with Esteri Ruiz. Um, you know, Milwaukee, that is. Because Fre- I think Freelick already proved that he's the better option. Yeah, he's the, the better option. And, you know, I think. 
They've got Weimer. They've got even Garrett Mitchell, who I Garrett think is Mitchell. they'd rather audition than Ruiz. Yeah, it, it's it's pretty wild. Ruiz is going to be running wild there in Oakland. Um, that guy might lead the league in triples and inside the park home runs over there in yeah. Oakland. But somehow I still feel like this is not a great return for 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 Oakland. Um, we'll, we'll have to delve into that a little bit further. But I I never understand what what Oakland we'll is doing, man. We'll I just see. feel like they could have done better. But All they right. they said they didn't want a full prospect package there. So. Whatever. Uh, we'll dive into that further later, but that's something else. Um, 22 Mariners take Chris Clark from the Chicago Cubs. This was a little bit of a head scratcher for me because you know, Clark high a double a 26 games, 21 of them starts. So this is another guy that I guess they're hoping can you know be stretched out if needed, but it's not like the Mariners really, really need him to be stretched out. 120 in the thirds innings, a four, six, four ERA, a one, four, three, fifth, only eight and change K's per nine, but less than two walks per nine. So really good command here. The stuff's, not great. It's it's rather average, but sinker is a really good pitch. He's a ground ball machine, 57.6% ground ball rate last year, which I think is what they're getting here, right? A 6'6 guy that can really get you a ton of ground balls in a pitcher-friendly environment in, in Seattle could be even better. Um, I think he's just going to kind of be a mop-up dude for them. They had an open roster spot. They wanted a guy that could kind of fill in and, and eat innings. Curveball is not a bad pitch either. Uh, not Not a guy that would have been at the top of my list, I would say. Yeah, fair. Um, he's a zone pounder and, and he's a quick worker as well. So I think Clark is a guy that, you know, you dream on to fill the Cueto role, right? Where it's like, hey, man, we need six innings and 50 yeah. pitches. Chris Clark is like, I'm your guy. I Let's get it. after this. Let's do um, it. Yeah. Hey, shout out to his brother, Zach Clark, who became a good friend out on the Cape. I was those boys with Zach. Zach was a... Um, a marketing intern for the Brewster Whitecaps when I was calling games for Brewster. Um, so he was like, Oh, you got to check out my buddy, my buddy, Chris. Like he, he just got his, his first go uh, in the Cubs organization. And, and I saw him in South Bend in 2021. And, you know, I, I think six, six, maybe selling him literally short. Like he's a massive <laughs> human being. He might be six, seven, six, eight. And I think he's a little bit bigger than what he's listed at at what? Two fifteen right now. Um, I, I think he might be like six, seven, two thirty, six, eight, two thirty. So he's a big guy that rolls a ton of ground balls and maybe he just eats six innings on yep. a given day. Who has any idea? Yep. I, I, and I think that's kind of what they're hoping for here. Uh, guardians don't take anyone at 23 blue Jays. Don't take anyone at 24 Cardinals with the most fascinating pick of the entire rule. Five draft is Wilking Rodriguez from the Yankees. If you said who, even as a diehard Yankees fan, that would be understandable. If you can't find Wilking Rodriguez's uh, player page anywhere, that would be understandable. If you think you found it, but you, it's somebody else. No, that's actually Wilking Rodriguez, who has not pitched since 2015 in affiliated baseball, but did pitch in 2022 in the Mexican League before signing with the Yankees in August. Did not pitch for the Yankees this year but was still able to be selected in the rule five draft. One of the most fascinating picks. I think he's 31, 32 years old. Has, again, has not pitched an affiliated baseball since 2015, but made a comeback was pitching in the Mexican league carved to a two Oh one ERA, a 0.89 whip, nearly 15 strikeouts per nine hit one Oh one with the fastball, a disgusting slider. It's why the Yankees picked him up. And I guess the Cardinals were in on this guy. You know, when they, when when he was deciding where he wanted to sign and they did their scouting and they plucked him away from the Yankees uh, a few months after they signed him at the end of this season. What a wild rule five pick. I freaking love it. Yeah, I, I love it for the narrative alone. And uh, shout out the Tecolotes de los Dos Laredos, uh, his <laughs> Mexican league team uh, in indie ball. So. Uh, shout out Dos Laredos, but I, I'm looking at like notable teammates in the Venezuelan Winter League. How about 37-year-old Alejandro de Azza, 34-year-old Pablo Sandoval this past offseason? Uh, this yeah. is this is pretty good, man. I'm telling you. Um, Jesus Tinoco, that's fun. Um, but hey, like I, I don't know anything about him because I was, ooh, let's see, last time pitching in affiliated baseball, 2015. We were in high school. That's wild. Yeah. <laughs> Triple digits with the fastball and a hammer slider. Suarez made that comeback for the pod, for the Padres after showing in the Mexican League and showing well. And I think there's another guy that could be a nice success story. Cardinals have done a good job of identifying reliever arms, like you said earlier. 
like you pointed out, and this seems like another success story potentially in the making here with Wilking Rodriguez. 26 Yankees don't pick. And then the final pick was actually pick number 27, where the Mets took Zach Green from the Yankees. Green made 48 appearances in AAA, 68 in the thirds innings, a 3-4-2 ERA, a 1-2-2 whip, more than 12 Ks per nine, a little bit more than four walks per nine. Green's got a really, really good fastball, even though it's low 90s, great shape to it, uh, similar to, to Nick Enright. Um, I think he's going to kind of fill right in and be that middle reliever. I don't think the, the Mets are expecting much more, much less. Uh, commands the question, though. That's kind of what's missing. But good fastball, good slider, classic you know, reliever pickup here. I'm cool with it. And Ryan Finkelstein was very encouraged by it, too. He went on a dive on Zach Green. So if Fink's drinking the juice, I'm drinking the juice, man. Shout out Zach Green. He's going to be uh, backing up Edwin Diaz and David Robertson after Verlander and Kodai Senga go seven. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Welcome to just a really fun team. Uh, it's a pretty cool opportunity for, for Zach Green there. And congratulations to him. That's it for the Rule 5 draft recap. Real quick for the final couple minutes, I wanted to highlight 2022 Bowman Chrome with you jack because on ebay it's it's pretty wild what some of these cards are going for and as part of our ebay segment here i wanted to to highlight some of the best investments from 2022 bowman chrome because here's the thing when you have a a bowman chrome release usually when the cards just come out they're a lot more expensive and then it it slows down a little bit but I, i want you to take a guess about who you think would be more expensive here the prized Yankee international free agent or just the really good quality prospects that are in here. And you know what the answer is. It's the Yankees international free agent, right? Roderick Arias is going for more than $150, $200 on eBay for his Bowman Chrome auto as, as a raw autograph. That's it. Ungraded. Uh, you got guys like Jackson Chorio selling for more than 400 on eBay with his autograph right now. While you have guys like Jackson Merrill, his Bowman Chrome auto, I know it's not, it doesn't have the fancy first next to it, but it's his first autograph, is going for less than 100 bucks. Mason Hour, a prospect I really like, super dynamic, going for around 40 bucks, sometimes less than that, around 25. Um, I wanted to just highlight Christian Vaccaro, Jackson Chorio, and of course, Roderick Arias. Chorio is one of the top prospects in baseball. Arias and what we're seeing from Christian Vaccaro, those are two guys that played in the DSL and didn't play that well in the DSL. And their cards are going for $200 on eBay right now. Um, Chorio, I understand because he's one of the best prospects in baseball. I still am not paying $400 for his autograph because I think he's a glove first guy, um, even though the bat was really impressive. I mean, would you ever put $200 in a guy that has not played above the DSL. Like I, I just, I'm not understanding. No. I know I'm supposed to encourage people to buy on eBay, but I'm encouraging them to buy elsewhere. Maybe Mason hour, uh, maybe Jackson Merrill, maybe some guys that have shown a little bit more uh, in any kind of full season ball. Yeah. I'm also reading here. First Bowman cards in 2022 Chrome. Uh, is that true that Weimer and McLean's Bowman first are in this? So they have no autograph, but they have their first Bowman base, which I, I would still scoop up. I'm scooping up any Joey Weimer Bowman Chrome I can. Yeah. And, and how about McLean, too? Because he's a surefire big league regular. Correct. Um, and- yeah, I, I guess like that's the part of this industry that I just don't really understand is like why you go after the DSL guy when he has a 600 OPS. And, because and he I understand for five like, million. Oh, well, he's. Yeah, he's the big ticket free agent. But hey, you know what? So did Yassel Antuna. <laughs> like, yeah, that's the thing. So um, I don't know. I I need to see a little bit more, but I am risk averse. Um, there are a couple unautographed firsts on this list that I'm looking at right now. Weimer, McLean, Oscar Colas, my guy. I'm going after that. And then how about Juan Bin Cho? I'm all about that. I love Juan Bin Cho. If if you're going to take a guy who didn't have success at the rookie level, take Juan Bin Cho. Because at least he's going to be like 10 bucks. No, like, look, if you pull an Arias or or one of those guys and you want to hold it, sure. Um, But but what Jack and I are trying to, to kind of say to you here is don't get caught up in the signing bonus. International free agency is a crapshoot. And I've said it. Like it's all about playing the percentages. I'd rather have 10 half a million dollar guys than the one five million dollar guy because I'd feel really good about my chances with the half a million dollar guys. So it kind of applies to cards too, right? Don't put all your eggs in the Christian Vaccaro and Roderick Arias basket. We have no idea 
what those guys are going to be. And they, they didn't show that much yet, you know, in the Dominican Summer League. When you can get guys like Jackson Merrill, who showed some things in low A, and you know, I think is already further along and just played in the Arizona Fall League and is not that much older than those guys, like really hardly older than them, maybe a year. Um, Joey Weimer might be one of my favorite purchases right now because I know it's not an autograph, but everybody was collecting the Jackson Chorio base cards before the autographs came out. And you get it graded and Weimer turns into the all-star that he could potentially be, right? This could be a really good pickup and I'm looking at, I'm going to buy it. So don't, you're not going to find it um, by the time this episode's out, but just for reference, like there's a Joey Weimer green base refractor or like green unautographed refractor. That's $36 or best offer on eBay right now. I think Joey Weimer's ceiling in, in, in Milwaukee is, you know, potentially like all-star, <laughs> like impact, impact, all-star. I'll buy a guys out of 99 for 30, let's say 30 bucks. If they accept my offer there and, that's a great pickup. I, like that's still, you have the upside. You have a lot to look forward there. If we're looking at autographs, I'm all in on, on Jackson Merrill at less than a hundred dollars. Mason hour around 25 to $40. That's a great pickup as well. Um, I'd rather play the percentages there, but if you want to pick up your Vaqueros, go ahead. I, I, I'm Let me know what you guys buy because I will never tell people not to buy anything. I will just say what I am thinking and why I am not. And uh, Vaquero, we did our Nationals top prospect list. He was 10th on their top 10 for us. So, you know, that kind of puts things yeah. into perspective a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Who's a better prospect in your eyes right now, Thad Ward or Christian Vaquero? <laughs> I would say Christian Vaquero just because of the upside. Um, but okay. it's closer than it should be, <laughs> which says Fair. a lot there, right? Yeah. Hey, did you see, um, speaking of a Christian, did you see that's super far off, but cards are really expensive. Did you see Christian Hernandez? Did you see photos of him this off season? No. Dude's like filling out. Like he looks kind of jacked. Oh, watch this card market. Now there's going to be one picture of him. Like yeah. looking ripped card market. Going to, going to skyrocket. That's another one though. Really? That's how DK Metcalf got picked that high. Yeah. Literally. I would rather roll the <laughs> dice on Christian Hernandez. I'll say that I'd rather roll the dice on Christian Hernandez than Arias and Vicaro. I'll say that Fair. if you're going to try to roll the Fair. dice on, on a lower level rookie guy, that'll do it for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. That's pretty much rule five draft stuff until next year. Uh, very excited to break down some of the prospect packages and all of these things that'll be going down through the rest of this off season interviews to look out for as well as we continue through this off season. So always thank you for listening. Look forward to talking prospects with you again this week. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.